0: god damn all right i'm i'm all set again
1: i'm recording like a straight up fucking gangster recording artist
0: uh cancel for saying gangster sorry Bye.
1: dude here's what i'm gonna do yeah. i said gangster i didn't say gangsta
0: oh okay we'll cancel
1: it for unrelated reasons then god damn it really hey everybody welcome to i'm okay you're okay i'm not okay you're not okay with me bob schneider and your other host clint wells you're welcome you can use a hard r on gangster right if you're
0: talking about a scorsese film yes
1: about anything
0: i'm just kidding i don't know what the fucking rules are
1: yeah you do we all know what the rules are
0: i know what some rules are i don't know what i don't know what the morality police you know the morality police here's what happens we try to learn the rules we're studious we care about society. We stay up, we even stay up a little late and we read the we read the handbook and we're like, all right, and every day we're like, I'm going to apply what I learned and get better. The morality police though, they stay up real late. And while we're asleep assimilating, they're drawing all sorts of tiny lines all over the place like a fucking minefield from hell. And then we have to get up and walk to school in that minefield. Dude, do you, do you and know hope why we don't blow
1: our fucking leg off? Do you know why we do all that and why why that's the case? Cuz we got the moves. No, cuz we went to fuck fucking public school boy we didn't go to fucking. we were in homeschool and when you're homeschooled you don't have to worry about shit when you're fucking when you go to the private school you don't have to really worry about shit guess when you have to worry about shit when you're in the public school surrounded by fucking psychos i uh,
0: school and i did not even really go to that bad of a school but i did go to like a middle class redneck public school and it was a fucking war zone man yeah it was a war and like it's hard to articulate although i know everyone who's done it gets it immediately but there were fights in the parking lot there was a shit going on in the social strata of our existence that no adult could ever protect any of us from even no. if you told them even if you told them i i remember be, you know having friends that were scared because someone was like basically like i'm going to kick your ass today in the parking lot oh, they yeah. just had to and and then and these were not empty threats People's asses got kicked in the parking lot every week. Dude,
1: you didn't get through public school without getting a fucking ass whooping at one point or another.
0: And I remember some scared people, like, trying to appeal to the the adults. And the adults being just so powerless. Like, they would either... They'd either try to do something where they would like call the other kid in and they would confront them. Guess what that meant? Bigger ass whooping. Bigger ass whooping.
1: Dude, if the other kid that you're scared of gets called into an office and it's you, the other kid and a power figure, you're fucked. (laughs) Dude, you're fucked as long as that guy, as long as, until the time that that guy goes to jail and he will go to jail. Eventually as an adult, he will go to jail and spend time in jail. But until then, you're fucked. I actually just found it. So
0: I got through it without getting into like an act. Well, no, I did get into a couple actual fights. But the scariest thing ever was there was like a pretty popular athletic type kid, but who was real crazy. He was like on the fringes of that group. He got real upset at me about something. It's probably involving a girl or something. And he like did the thing where he like got in my face, like in in, like this big gathering area before, like in front of my whole class made a big scene and told me he was going to beat me up. Like I just had to think all day about how this guy's going to beat me up later. He ended up not doing that. Who knows? I probably left her. I don't know how it happened, but I didn't, that didn't happen. But I remember after he, we used to call it getting punked out. So after he punked me out like a little bitch, and which by the way, this dude was huge and like, it wasn't like I was being a coward. Like this guy just would have killed me. It was just—it was—it made no sense for me to try to fight him. But I remember after he was like all in my face and shoved me and shit, and nothing really happened. And then he took a garbage can and was just slamming it on the ground. He was obviously dealing with some other shit, you know, like an angry. Anyway, I found out a few years ago that that guy, who's my age, thirty-seven, that he died, like five years ago, for some life of. Drugs and crime, you know, like he never, right? he never didn't, he never quit being the angry kid slamming the garbage can in high school and he
1: died Yeah, now he's gone. Dude, I had the scariest I've ever, the scaredest, scaredest? The most scared. The scaredest I've ever been (laughs) was, so when I was in school, I was always the youngest in my class and the shortest in my class the entire time I went to school. So, and I was smart Alec. I was I was a bit of a smart aleck. I was a bit of a pest. I was a bit of a jokester. But I also would not fight. I refused to fight. I was 100% flight, 0% fight. You know the fight or flight? Mm-hmm. 100% flight. Mm-hmm. So, my strategy was make friends with the toughest guy in school. And then I'll just hang out with him. And then... That'll kind of protect me from these other fucking monsters that I went to school with because I went to a fucking rough ass military high school. So I did that. And then the problem with hanging out with a werewolf is every once in a while, the werewolf bite you. He'll look at you and go, hmm, I'm hungry. He'll lick his lips and go, hmm, I wonder what that tastes like. So, anyways, we're on a, we used to have these fucking long ass bus rides. It was a 45 minute ride to school and then a 45 minute ride back. These were German buses. This is in Germany where they didn't have any American high schools. And when I say military high school, I mean the children of the dudes that joined the military. And I'm not talking about the officers. I'm talking about people that become soldiers because they have no other prospects or they're going to go to jail. Then they get in the army or the air force and they spend their entire lives there. Meanwhile, they're banging out kids, and then they're putting them into school. And guess who I'm going to school with? Those kids. So anyways, they're brutes, monsters, whatever, dummies. <laughs> so me, so now I've become friends with this guy. And this guy, let me just tell you a little bit about this guy. I won't say his name, but he, first day of school when he got there, he, was, he, wasn't, he wasn't a very tall guy. He was kind of small, skinny. But he was just this fighter guy. And the first day, I think when he was in eleventh grade, I knew him when he was in twelfth. When he was in eleventh or tenth grade, he he was like, "Who are the toughest guys in school?" And the toughest two dudes in school were was this big Samoan guy and this other guy. They were both football players. They were both giants. They were like six foot three, you know, two hundred fifty pounds, giant beasts. The first day he was in school, he found them in the hall and kicked both their ass. And he's like five eight, maybe, this kid, just to kind of go, there's a new fucking sheriff in town. So anyways, that was the guy that I made friends with. Uh, so one day we're on this fucking bus ride home, and he's sitting with his girlfriend. They get into a fight. She starts crying. He gets out of the seat, goes to another part of the bus. I go up to kind of comfort her because I'm like this guy's best friend. And she's like, Oh, he did this blah, blah, blah. I'm like, don't worry. He'll get over it. Everything's fine. Anyways, he sees that stands up in front of the entire bus doing that thing that, that you're, that happened to you where you get punked out. And he goes, Hey, when we get to where we're going, I'm going to kick your ass. Now, when he said that to me, there wasn't like a, oh, I hope he doesn't do it, or I hope he's bluffing, or I hope uh, hope he doesn't mean it. No, you, you knew. 100% when the bus stopped, yeah. he was going to matter-of-factly, just like I say, I'm going to write a song this week. You know I'm going to write a song. You're not like, oh, I wonder if Bob's going to write a song this week.
0: Yeah.
1: You know I'm going to write a song.
0: Yeah.
1: That's a fact. It's what you do. So, I know that when the bus stops, we're going to get off the bus and he's going to beat me and he's going to probably knock out my teeth. So, now I've got no teeth. Here's what he wasn't going to do think about it and
0: mull it over and come to a different conclusion.
1: He didn't say it. He didn't like, he didn't do the thing where he's like, hey, man, I'm real (laughs) upset. I'm going to fuck you up, man. No, it was, hey, I'm going to kick your ass when the bus stops. (laughs) And um, (laughs) I'm, dude, all all the blood left my body because I know this guy. I know how much of a psycho he is. And I'm just like, oh, my God. And then all of a sudden, she stopped crying. And now she's comforting me because she knows that I'm fucked. And then luckily, I had some other guys who were also big, brute fighter guys who were wrestlers, who were friends of this friend of mine. And they're like, hey, and they looked at they looked at me and they were like, "Oh my god, this guy's you know," because I'm not a fighter. And they're like, "Hey man, we'll we'll try to we'll try to hold him back or something," which they weren't going to be able to do because he would have kicked their ass too if he if they would have tried to stop him from kicking my ass. He would have kicked everybody's ass. He was just a psycho, like John Wick kind of psycho. So, like, literally, I had thirty minutes before the bus ride ended, and the whole time I'm just like, "Well, this is it." This is where I lose my teeth. This is where I'm disfigured (laughs) for the rest of my life. And then, like literally three minutes before the bus like was going to stop, he walks up and he goes, "Hey, man, don't worry about it." (laughs) I'm just like, he he did change his mind. Yeah, because he was like, "I'm yeah," but if he wouldn't have done the "don't worry about it," he would have kicked my he would have kicked my ass. But yeah, he he wasn't mad. He just he was a psycho.
0: No, I had a few close calls like that too because I could always talk my way out of shit. So I think I had some where I was able to reason. And then I had some where I remember one guy that wanted to beat me up. This is like middle school and he I saw him in the bathroom. And it, <laughs> I was like peeing and but there were mirrors like every I could see in a mirror him washing his hands and he was looking at me in the mirror. And he was I think I said something like, "Come on, man. Come on, dude." And he was just washing his hands. He was like, "It's happening." He's just <laughs> calmly and he's looking at me and he's like it's Ugh. definitely happening Ugh. not now he was like not now but it's happening and i'm oh. peeing going come on man good god is this who we are? you know like whatever you know but that feeling else, dude. dude that feel that that dread yeah it's a dread and and the, the other feeling too is like no adult can help <clears throat> what you think when you're a kid is like adults are different kinds of people who are smarter and understand but now that we are those guys we can't help there's no one's no one's smarter no one understands least of all adults adults don't know shit adults are scared little babies
1: well i learned the rule i think i learned the rules in third grade which the rules were you can't you don't tell the teacher if you tell the teacher you're, you're fucked, fucked forever because yeah. then you're an art yeah but and they can't help you like
0: it's even more than that. They can't help you, really. Well, it
1: just makes everything worse. Yeah. Even right. though, even though, really, I did know, I like later on in high school, in 11th grade, I met these guys who I don't know if they were smart or if they were just homeschooled or something, but they did all that stuff. They told the teachers, they did like threaten to notify the police. Like, they did all this stuff, like, that we were, like, at some point I learned, like, can't tell teachers, can't tell your parents, can't tell the police, can't do anything. You're fucked. You're on your own. And these guys were, like, you know, reporting people to the counselors, reporting, and they were like, hey, you can beat me up, but I'm going to file a report against you with the police department. And it worked. Nobody fucked with these guys. Yeah, but you, police can't do anything to kids. Like, what you have to hope is that their parents care enough to- I know really but they make, I'm telling you, know? you dude they they when I was in 11th grade I went to a uh I went to it wasn't a boarding school but I stayed in a dorm cuz
0: mm-hmm.
1: we didn't have a we didn't have a high school in when I when was when I was in 11th grade so I would have to take a bus for 3 hours on Monday morning go to the school and then after school on Monday we would go to the dorm stay in the dorm Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday and then Friday after school we would Take that three hour bus ride back home. But during the week, you stayed in a dorm. And that dorm, dude, it was like a prison. It was like a juvenile detention center. Like there were real serious rules. And when you were in there, dude, I had like a guy broke my nose one day because I cause he had stolen my pants and I when they were in the laundry room and then I got him back. And I wore them to school. And then later that day he came, you know, knocked on my door hey man, you got those pants that you were wearing today? And I was like, yeah. And he goes, those are my pants. I'm like, here you go. They are your pants. I'm sorry. I thought they were mine. I thought you had taken them two weeks ago when they were in the laundry room because they were these pleated custom pants that this guy had given me that you couldn't buy. They were like handmade. So I knew they were mine. They were corduroy with pleats. He's like, those are my pants. I'm like, of course they are. Here they are. Take them. And then as a parting present, broke my nose immediately without me even knowing it happened. I had a version of that where uh, when I
0: was in ninth grade in my music class, I took my book of CDs, which had like maybe 500 CDs in it. And all I had in ninth grade were my goddamn CDs, dude. That was a treasure to me. And this guy stole my CDs. And for like two days, I just couldn't find them. And I was like, maybe I left them in the classroom and I'm asking the teacher did someone turn these in and for two glorious days I thought maybe there's just a legitimate mix up and I can get these back. And I remember after 2 days I'm like looking around and this dude he's just like leaning back little king of the earth. And he's like they called me Wells. It was it was a thing in my high school everyone called you by your last name. Oh yeah. Sort of, he's like, "Wells, what are you looking for?" And I was like, "It's a Case Logic CD. It's real big, hard to miss. 500 CDs in it." He's like, "Oh yeah. I stole that." And uh, he's like, it's in my house. I stole those. I stole those two days ago. And it's just, there's just nothing you could do. It's just over. Yeah. I mean, I I think I even tried to plead with him. I was like, can you give them back? Do you really want my CDs? Because it was filled with all this crazy, like Pearl Jam bootlegs and shit. And Dave Matt, just a bunch of shit. And he's like, I threw away, he goes, I threw away all the ones I didn't like. And no, I'm not giving them back. They're mine. And it was just a total, like, welcome to life, baby. Oh, Yeah. And it was in front of the whole class. It was just, I mean, even my friends were making fun of me at lunch that day. They were like, dude, they were like, I get it. You, there's nothing you can do. But man, that was rough. Really glad it wasn't me. Remember that? Where even your friends in school would be like, ooh, you
1: look like a bitch today, dude. That was rough. I don't even know if I had friends in school, to tell you the truth. I, no, that's not true. I did, those guys who would narc on people were my friends. And after I broke my nose, I had to go to the counselor because I had to go to the hospital. And they're like, what happened? I'm like, slipped, hit my nose on the sink. And then somebody else told the counselor what had happened, because I guess this guy went and bragged about it. And then somebody, and then so now we're in front of the counselor and with this super dangerous guy. And they're like, okay, we're going to suspend both you guys. They had to suspend both of us because if they would have just suspended him, it would have been bad. There would have been like retaliation or something. I don't know. It was stupid. All of it was fucked up.
0: Here's a question. I mean, we got an email this week. You can write in bobandclint@gmail.com, at gmail.com. And we talk about this on the show, but we got a an email from a guy named Jed who says, I'm interested in how your lyrics come to you when you write. You both periodically use long forms of sentences and phrases similar to what... Uh, he's talking about, at the inauguration, Amanda Gorman like read a poem. He says, talk about how your lyrics come to you and when and how you break pattern with more traditional rhyming structures. And also, if you have any thoughts about the relationship of good lyric writing to good poetry. And the question is, how does all this turn the stew of our lives, which contain real horror movie scenes, how do you turn that into your work? It doesn't For me, it doesn't come out like, oh, if this is a song about high school when a guy banged a trash can. It comes out, in ways that I don't think would be obvious that it's rooted in stories like that. It's just general survival and horror.
1: I have some theories. So a lot of people talk about songwriting as like, oh, it comes out of the ether. I don't know where it comes from. But where it comes from is it comes from everything that you've ever seen, done, heard, thought of, whatever.
0: Right. The sum of your experience. Right.
1: And and that all gets sucked into your brain. Now, there's lots of things that you're picking up that you're not even consciously aware of like sounds things so your brain's sucking up so much stuff and if you're like a super sensitive person like I am or you are you're you're just you're just inundated with all this information now consciously you're only aware of a very small part part of that and your conscious brain can only access a certain amount of information but all of it's there and it's all in your subconscious and so what you do is you just start writing. As as you're writing, stuff comes out of you, and you're like, I don't know where this stuff comes from, but it's like this giant computer in your brain is putting stuff together and just like printing it out, like on this ticker tape, as you're writing. And then every once in a while, you look you look down, and you're like, Oh wow, that's cool. And then you just get this stuff. But it's not like I don't consciously think, Oh, I'm gonna write this great lyric or I'm gonna come up with this idea. You, I'm just making myself. Write stuff, and then it's coming out. And then, as it's coming out, you're you, you know, you're like, oh, that's cool. Or as you start singing it, you know, to the to the music, at some point you're like, oh, that's what it is. That's what the song is. That's what mm-hmm. that's what I'm writing about. I'm sure that poem that that girl wrote was the same thing. Like she didn't know what she was going to write about, but then she started. You know, as she was writing it, she was like, oh. I'm gonna use the poem analogy for America. And then like she knew exactly what once and once you know what the song is, or once once you know what the poem is, then it's just fill in the blanks. Yeah, that's
0: that's exactly my experience too. At some point a line or an idea will reveal itself. I've actually I use that phrase all the time, like, okay, now I know what it is. But there's definitely a moment when you don't know what it is yet. That's you've already, you've already
1: started the work and you don't know oh yeah. what it is. That's every time you sit down to write a song, you don't know what it is. You don't know right. what you're doing. Right. You're starting from scratch. It's such a scary thing. It's almost like you're jumping off the side of a mountain on a paraglider and you're just hoping that it works. But I no longer worry that something won't happen. The, the
0: fear now is that will something good happen? Will something happen that I'll care about after this week? Right. But the fear of will something happen? I, I don't know if you feel this way, but I, I do not have that at all. No, I no, I don't. For a I single know, bit. Right.
1: I know I can write. Like, if if I know I can sit down and write a song right now, no, I can't know that I'm going to sit down and write a good song. Right. But again, my job as a creative person is to never think about good or bad, ever, when I'm writing. That only, only after the fact can you think about, is this good or bad? While you're writing, you're just supposed to be having fun. You're just creating having fun, you're playing. You're like a kid playing. And if you're not doing that, if you've got some agenda, like if, oh, I've got, this has got to be good. If I'm going to get my next meal, it's got to be good. You're fucking, you're just fucked. There's You can't create that
0: way. Well, that's why I think, you know, in the song game that we have, I do think that your motivation, why you want to be in the game matters. Not to me, but I'm talking about for whoever it is, because If it's to get feedback or to get people to like your work or, you know, some people are in these song games for networking purposes, which anyone can do anything they want. I don't care. But I do think if your reason isn't to do kind of do what you were saying, to have fun, to challenge yourself, to grow for yourself, I just think, I don't know. I think you can tell when people are doing it for those reasons. I don't think the songs usually are very interesting. And I think those people burn out on it when they realize like oh the thing that they thought the song group was going to do for them doesn't do that for them you know what i mean i i think they they end yeah. up burning out because they don't have to do it like i'm going to do it regardless yeah having a having a group of people to be in it with is real helpful but i'm going to do it no matter
1: what there's two types of songs i like one a great song like when somebody writes a great song i'm excited like i'm I always think, oh, I'm jaded, I'm jaded. Then I'll hear a great song. I'm like, oh, this is wonderful. This is I live for for this. Like it makes me feel elevated to be a human being and have another human being write something. I love it. And then the second kind I like is one where they so don't give a fuck. Right. Like one of the John Cusimano wrote one this week and it was called Farts Part Two, because I wrote a song called Farts. And basically it was him going, Bob wrote a song called Farts. I wanted to write a song called Farts too, so I wrote one called Farts Part 2. Dude, I'll listen to that song every day, every every week. Because that's a dude who doesn't give a fuck when he wrote that song.
0: I love those kinds of songs. Uh, I'm with you. Well, we got a few more things. Let's just read a few more here while we're here. Uh, Keith Trimmel says, Hey, Daddy's he's watching The Lost Husband with my wife. He says, well, she's watching. I'm looking at my phone anyway. Lake Michigan and the stars over your house are being played in a barn dance scene. It's Bob's voice, but definitely not Bob in the scene. Kind of cool. But why do they cast some dude to lip sync your song instead of just having
1: Bobby Schnitz play himself, Keith? Well, they asked me to be in that movie to to do just what you're saying. But I didn't know that that was going to be the number one movie on Netflix. I thought that was going to be the number three billionth movie on Who Gives a Fuck? Because I met the director here in in you know out in Lakeway, and I didn't you know she she just was like a soccer mom.
0: You got to start saying yes to these opportunities. No, you if-
1: don't, because Mo, dude. A hundred, a thousand a thousand out of a thousand and one, it's bad. Everything I've ever done, everything I've ever agreed to do, has always been bad. This is literally the first time where it's actually succeeded. And even then, I told her I was like, "I'm you can use the music all all day long. I just don't want to be in your movie because I didn't. It. I'm telling you, dude, it's always bad. And nobody was more shocked than me. I mean, even when she was promoting the movie, she was like, "Hey, will you like?" tweet out the movie on your Instagram. I'm like, "Okay, I'll tweet it out to, you know, my few thousand followers, but if you're relying on me to promote the movie, good luck." Even then, I was like, "You know, this is not a good sign if you're asking me to promote the movie." Cut to 2 months later, it's the number 1 movie on Netflix in the world. And in the middle of that movie, there's basically a Bob Schneider video where Josh Duhamel is singing Wish the Wind Would Blow Me word for word to this girl. They play the whole song. It's still a cool feature of your music. That's great. And Stars is in that too? There's like 5 songs. And I mean they play it it's we I've never seen my music featured like that in a film. It's it's kind of crazy. It kind of is weird too. It's it's real weird. Well, congrats. I think that's really cool. It was uh, it was very
0: cool, very cool. This is uh from Lynn Gaddis. She says, "Hey guys, well first of all, The subject is thanks, daddies. Insanity contained. Hey, guys, on your last last episode, you talked about missing touring and how doing your podcasts and Bob's live streams help keep you guys sane. Well, let me tell you the highlight of my day is when I wake up to find the email telling me the newest episode and Secret Weekly are posted. You keep me laughing and thinking and laughing some more. So glad I signed up for Patreon so I can see your two beautiful, goofy facial expressions. The ever-patient Clint with the big size and the crazy Professor B. schnitz and his props. And Monday nights with Bob can't even describe the joy and peace that hour brings to my life. Losing my husband and working from home gets lonely here, and you guys do a lot to keep me sane. Thanks for sharing your talent. Much love, Lynn. P.S. Bob, thanks for recommending Ted Lasso. Brilliant writing. Jason Sudeikis kills it. P.S. Clint Lunar Satan is effing awesome. So that's wow. really sweet. Thank you, Lynn. Thanks, Lynn. And I'm glad we can uh, help with the loneliness. I'm Doing the show helps me for sure. No doubt about it. Here, here.
1: Hear, here. Cheers. Shake hear, hear. the lemon, let me, please. Let me take a bite of my lemon. Oh, it's a lemon. The lemon. It's a shaker. We shake the lemon for all the lost souls. My first, it wasn't my first band, but my second band in high school was called Bitter Lemon. And it was me and this drummer friend of mine, Jeff Linderman. And he just sent me this uh, lemon shaker recently.
0: Hmm. After 30 very, years.
1: Very sweet of him.
0: What's your first band? What was that called? The Warriors. The Warriors and then Bitter
1: Lemon. I, I have a history of just one bad name after another. Ugly Americans is a great band name. Oh, I hated that name. That's a great band name. No, not, not as far as I'm concerned. I, I I can't say. I It's weird. Similar to my hair, similar to the clothes that I've worn, I've just never looking back, I c I can't say the only I did like Brainiac. I like that name and I like Joe Rockhead. I like both those names for bands. But every other band name has been pretty bad. Joe Rockhead's pretty good. I like what Tex, are the other Texas Texas Bluegrass Massacre is pretty good. Yeah. You're naming like all your bands now. What else? Well, the bad ones were the scabs, ugly Americans, the Spanks, uh the Warriors, <laughs> Bitter Lemon. Uh all those are pretty bad names for The
0: Spanks. Oh, that's pretty good. Most band names are really bad. It's hard to get a good band name.
1: Dude, you get a good band name and it will carry you so far. The War against Drugs, name. best that's band pretty name good. of all time. Yeah, that's pretty good. Uh They Will Know Us by the Trail of the Dead. I mean uh, that that name itself carried that band for years. I've never heard a single song. Well, they're maybe a little bit before your time and also maybe a little bit more regional. But it, we it's weird with band names. I mean, they kind of like they're like people's names that you just eventually they meld into whatever the music is. And so you have an, a a band name that's really bad, like the Beatles, but then they yeah. put all that music out, and then you just think when you think of the Beatles, you don't even think, Oh, that's not a bad band name, even the though Beatles, it's yeah. horrible. The Beatles is horrible. But uh you know now you just you don't even think of the name dude there's
0: nothing worse than when you call something like the Dave Matthews band like the person's name band that's now, the worst
1: now but when 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 that band first came out there weren't any bands that were called that like that was a fresh name when like it came Pat out.
0: Travers band Steve Miller band
1: oh there was the Steve Miller band but how great was Steve Miller band one of my favorite bands of all time
0: i'm not a big fan but Uh, that dude's got a bunch of songs that everybody knows. Dude, that that
1: greatest hits record is so good.
0: You know, like there's a, this isn't the show I'm thinking of, but it's something really similar, like American Bandstand, like those 70s shows where people would play live or play to tracks or whatever. But it was one of the only ways to see bands play live, you know, in the late seventies.
1: Yeah.
0: His American Bandstand performance is really wild. Like he, in my head, all those dudes are old. They're just always old. But when you see them, when they were in their prime, like, early 20s maybe and just raw it, it changes you like seeing you know seeing young kind of coked out elton john because in my head he's always been kind of a chubby british yeah, yeah. knighted gentleman oh yeah but but that young thin crazy hair like coked out elton john that's scary in yeah. a good way like that beatles movie that's coming out that looks so good because they're oh, all man, young I can't and wait. on drugs and i wish that uh i wish you and i could watch it together that would be fun.
1: Well, we'll have to maybe we'll watch it simultaneously. You watch it there, I'll watch it here, and then we'll we'll uh we'll watch it and then we'll podcast about it.
0: Well, we need to go. It's been an excellent half
1: hour, and uh it's time for us to go. It is time for us to go. But we wish you guys a fond, fondue. And uh check out Clint's other podcasts, Metal up your podcast. It's a cool podcast that he does with a buddy of his, and you'll get a lot more Clint, and I know you want more of that. And you can also check out my podcast, The Song Club. A brand new one just came out this month, where I talk about the new album that Clint played on called In a Room Full of Blood with a Sleeping Tiger, Um, one of my better albums that I've done. And if you're on my Patreon, you get that whole album. You could download it today. Uh, Go to patreon.com backslash. Bob Schneider. Also, while you're there, go to patreon.com/IOK and become a Patreon here at IOK as well. Do both. You'll feel better and you'll get a bunch of stuff that you'll like and it'll make your life better. And you'll be doing the right thing. You'll be making the world better and you'll be making your life better at the same time. So do it. Uh, and then I'll stop nagging you about it. In the meantime, Make sure to give us a favorable review on iTunes. That helps. And also, if you have friends, I don't. But if you do, tell them about this podcast and go, hey, check out this fucking podcast, you motherfucker. That's why I don't have friends, because that's the way I talk to people. They don't like it. And then your mom will say, okay, I will. I know. Tell your mom. If your mom is alive, she'll love this podcast. Trust me. All right. Bye. Bye, baby. (laughs)